Striking while the iron's hot to be your authoritative voice for New Mexico soccer. Welcome to We Are Seek and Strike podcast. Sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find us on the web at seekandstrikecollective.com. Welcome to another episode of We Are Seek and Strike podcast, the fan podcast for those who like New Mexico United or New Mexico soccer. I'm your host, Chris Walker, and with me is Alicia. Alicia, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. How about you? Doing pretty good, actually. Um, you know, we're recording an episode after a United win. Uh, this this week, which is awesome, uh, you know, definitely can't get enough of that, and and of course, you know, uh, we we'll get into the episode. We'll talk more about this latest match that they just had with uh, Colorado Springs Switchbacks FC, and then we'll also look a, look ahead to what is Wednesday evening to talk about Real Monarchs, uh, their first matchup with them this season. Um, so I guess just kind of getting into things like at this point, um, United get that win over Colorado Springs switchbacks. They're still very much undefeated in the, the state of Colorado. And I believe they are five and zero against the switchbacks all time and six and zero towards uh, the state of Colorado. Oh, I'm counting them. <laughs> yes, they are. It is five and zero, and for the switchbacks, and then the other one because we beat the Rapids in the Open Cup last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so what's interesting if you think about the matches and how they've gone is that this one. I mean, United won one nil. But this was actually a match where it seemed like the switchbacks really kind of came out firing a little bit more than they have in previous matches. Yeah, they they played kind of a little bit better than um, than they did against Phoenix. It seems like this game this time around, they like felt like to me it seemed like they were a little bit more woken up this time and that they were they were on it and they weren't letting those mistakes that kind of hurt us go through yeah exactly i mean maybe could it be that they came off of the match um against el paso and in that match obviously they had to be very defensive they were trying they were trying to figure out you know how to stop that sort of a team because it I mean, I know that like when we played Phoenix, right, we definitely added in some things that maybe weren't present in other matches. You know, we were really focused on eliminating mistakes, whereas in other matches, maybe the emphasis was more on, you know, chance creation and things of that nature. So is it possible that switchbacks kind of brought forward some of what they were focusing on with El Paso? Um, I think so. You definitely saw it. And um, how we were talking about on Saturday about their formation, I believe it was the 5-4-1 formation, I believe. And to me, it seemed like they kind of gradually got into that. And 
it was just when we were in the attacking third, everybody was had a man on. They were getting double teams or even triple teams at one of the times. And when they would have the possession of the ball and come into our defensive third, it seemed like they were spread out and create kind of more plays. And it was definitely a little bit more intense game than it was the I the other time we put around with them. Right. Yeah. Definitely. You know, in what I witnessed the other day, it was just, you know, I was really interested to see if they would do that five four one. Um, you know, obviously they didn't feel like they needed to come out in that. I mean, if you think about a five four one for a minute, I mean, they pretty much got a guy on like every little crack mm-hmm. of like the box, like, and then um, behind that you have a, a keeper. So it's like, and, and this time they had in their younger goalkeeper. Yeah, I was definitely surprised to see Rodriguez in there because the last time we didn't see him, and I was like, oh, you know, maybe they're they have they found a better one, older one, and I was just surprised to see Rodriguez in there this time around. And I mean, he did well, but I'm not as well as the other keeper, I should say. Right. Yeah, definitely a big difference between uh, Sean Melvin and and uh, Rodriguez. Um, you know, I mean, they're on like two different spectrums almost. Right. You have a major league soccer goalkeeper who's got this experience and you know, is used to kind of the talent that we're bringing forth. And then you got this younger gent that's like obviously playing advanced and is like own, like, you know, amongst his own peers. And, you know, and obviously you look at he's playing against men, right? So he's holding his own. He's probably someone that, that played in a lot of old, older leagues when he was coming up just for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so this match was like, I felt very interesting because I think, Again, coming off of the loss to Phoenix, I was, I think we had kind of talked about it, but I was kind of thinking that the sort of intensity that they would bring to the match would be, and it would be like more of a scoring intensity. Um, And that wasn't the case, but what we got was more like defensiveness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I I guess I want to get your take on how they played because i know that we always talk about playing down or up to opponents and what the next match always looks like and i want to see what you think about this um with how you were saying against phoenix we were playing very defensively um and i could see why they have amazing players on that team with three forwards asante flemings and dada shav and then baquero in the middle helping them out we had to play to them in order to try to figure that out. Unfortunately, we couldn't pull that result that we wanted. But now going into the Colorado Springs match, it seemed like they switched, Troy switched things around, which I was hoping for and not be in that, in that formation that we were in Phoenix. And it seemed more that we were in a more of attacking formation this time where we didn't have really kind of anyone to worry about rather than just leaving the middle open like we usually do. Yeah, and it seemed like they had so many different chances in the beginning of the match. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it just seemed like every time, like every few moments, you'd hear about 
a player being right outside the 18 or, you know what I mean? And, and, and I think that that definitely uh, has to be something that Troy is looking at is like, Hey, this is great. The guys are, are attacking from all these different angles. I mean, Bruce had the ball like Tanari had the ball. You know what I'm saying? Like it's the distribution is, is going around and, and um, what's your take on more players uh, being involved still, like in in the flow of the offense right now? I think it's amazing because now we don't have to rely on, you know, the Kavan Freighter, the Santi Moore. Like we don't have to rely on those players anymore, which we did last season. Now we have different players we can rely on. We have Amanda Moreno. We have Devin. We have Devin. We have Weehan. We have um tenari we have parks we have bruce like you said was even in there in the 18 um most of the time and it's just so many players now that we can actually rely on in order to give the results that we want and not just rely on the you know like the go-to's that we had last season and it just gives us more options and it lets troy create more options on the pitch when it comes to formation and plays and that's how we become unpredictable when we have so many pieces to the puzzle piece that just makes it come together. And how good did Tanari look again? Like he had a stellar game against Phoenix. And then again, in this match, it was like, man, he was just just shoring up the middle and and helping to really advance the ball. I mean, what? how did you feel he did in this match? He did amazing. And ever since the Phoenix game, um, every minute he's just impressing me more and more and more. And I really like the way he plays. Even though Guzman is more of a holding mid, you can rely on Tanari to be a holding mid or an attacking midfielder, which I really like when it starts creating that little triangle in the middle with Guzman, Tanari, and um, it could either be Amanda Moreno on the wing or Chris Vihan up top. And it's just the chemistry that they have, too. It's amazing. And I'm really, really starting to like him in the midfield. Yeah, he definitely is bringing it. Um, it we also got to see a familiar face. Obviously, Devin Sandoval was back um, mm -hmm. from injury. He had set out the last two matches um, with kind of a lower back spasm, as we kind of heard today on the press conference. Um, and, you know, obviously for him, you know, to be out two matches, you know, and to kind of play such a big role in the attack. I'd imagine, for one, he was probably very happy to see what the team had done in two weeks, even given the result on Phoenix. And then, two, like, um, to be back out there and to play a full 90, um, I mean, he, he looks good out there. Like, he almost got a goal. Yeah, yeah, he did. And unfortunately, it was offsides, but it was an amazing bicycle kick. You know, the regular dev move, you can't get, go wrong with that. But he did look really uh, good out there. And just him and Weehan up top, it, they're unstoppable. Yeah, and so then on top of that, uh, we did see like a lot of Daniel Bruce. And Bruce does his thing, taking, uh, taking defenders out to the wing. Um, we saw that quite a bit. That seemed to have a little play uh, on their defense, obviously, right? Because it did draw defenders out for what he could do on that side because he's known to obviously dish the ball back. Um, I know earlier in the match they kind of did catch on to him 
you know, taking it down deep into the, the six and then trying to kick it back up top. But how good did Bruce look as far as the fact that he was uh, pulling defenders out on the wing? And do you think that this is something that Troy has got to try to use more of, you know, with his uh, wing backs, just trying to pull the defense out from being so compact? Um, Bruce, to me, did an incredible job. And he's just been impressing me more and more and more. And I feel like by the minute he's starting to get better, you can tell he ha he has a lot of passion for, you know, for the sport. And he just puts it out there. And it's starting to show that. And with Troy using him and getting that start, it's going to really benefit us if he can start going in the wing back and just going up, you know, kind of like Josh, uh, like Suggs and just pulling the defenders out wide and you're just creating more space for our team to be able to just do the plays that they need to do. Yeah. Now, so earlier in the match, obviously, you know, like I said, there was much movement. There were, there were many chances being created. And I know that uh, switchbacks also had some, some chances in there um, just before uh, there was, I know that there was a, a big save for Cody in there before the goal shots. Um, Cody had obviously two really big saves on the day. One was uh, closer to uh, – well, one was at 43, and one was probably like just before that. But then there was also that big stop towards the end of the match. Um, did you get to see those, and, and how good did Cody look to you? Oh, yeah, I got to see those. He had some incredible saves, and – to me, you know, I know we saw it in the player ratings, and I think we could all agree, like, Cody deserved to be player of the match or man of the match. And it's – we he finally – he got his second clean sheet, I believe, and he just did amazing. And that's, like, the Cody that we need out there because sometimes, you know, when you start getting scored on, it can kind of get in your head a little bit, but he does amazing with his attitude and – the way he played on Saturday, it just it showed a different Cody out there. Yeah, it was definitely good to see him get another clean sheet just because of, you know, I mean, we played Phoenix. I mean, obviously that took his, like, goals against average up, like, a game, like, as they put on five goals, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, to see him get another clean sheet, it's got to be great. He was saying um, on today's press conference that um, – that a one nil victory was bigger than a three nil victory. And that he felt like, you know, it really kind of, I think it, and, and ultimately I think it kind of like solidified his purpose back there. And it, and it was, he felt maybe a greater achievement because, you know, they were up by a score and essentially they were holding onto that, that score. And, you know, and, and if they're up three nil, maybe, you know, it kind of wouldn't have that same effect. Yeah, when it was a t kind of tight game like that, it like not counting the offsides, but it's it's a really tight game, and uh, basically the game is in Cody's hands at that time because if it was three nil, four nil, five nil, it's just you're just standing there watching your team play, and you right. it's good to know that you know like my defense and my midfield they're they know what they're doing, but you want to also be a part of the game. Right, right. So take it to minute 43. I believe there Andre Lewis takes a shot, um, which I believe just goes wide of the goal. So nothing that's really 
on frame or on target. Um, and then, of course, going back the other way, um, a ball goes to Devin. Devin flicks it off of his uh, off of his boot, and it goes over to Amando Moreno. And Amando Moreno takes it up the right lane, and then uh, takes a what looks to be like a pass forward uh, towards Chris Weehan and the goalkeeper. And we saw it on the broadcast. Like, it was really hard to see, like, did Chris Weehan get a shoe on that? Like, did that just go through uh, the goalkeeper's legs? Like, what happened? Um, and I had actually asked him this today in the press conference. Um, I was like, hey, so we got to know, like, did you actually get a foot on that? Or did you kind of shake the goalkeeper's presence, uh, you know, out of his presence because of how close you were to him when everything kind of kind of came down? And uh, Chris said basically that uh, he got his left toe on the ball, but that everything was incredibly tight. Like at the speed that Moreno sent that ball in there, that literally like he when he hit it with his left toe like he kind of redirected the ball and that's how it basically went like through the keeps legs and ultimately the keeper was trying to adjust and he couldn't fast enough yeah it was kind of you know it was a weird camera angle to see if he actually got a touch on it even um tyler was commentating and he was saying you know we we're gonna wait to clarify that to see if we did get a touch on the ball because it was it was really really you know, really tight spacing, and it was just a tight angle. We couldn't really tell. Yeah, I thought it was going to just, like, collide with the with the goalkeeper. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, and then we see him go off to the side, and he has this, like, very, like, serious, stark kind of look to him. Kind of a different celebration than, like, we're normally used to. We normally see him jump and do, like, a fist pump. And, and again, I was like, well, what was going on inside of you? Like you know, for that particular thing. And he was saying that, you know, they were playing, you know, so defensively and this game was so tight and, you know, you know, they were trying to make sure that they didn't go down, but ultimately that, you know, for what the game was like to score the goal, I, I think that to paraphrase, we had more or less that it was almost like he had to just kind of like take any burdens upon his shoulders, you know what I mean? Like, and so to send there over the side, you know, and again, this is a team effort. We know Chris is about, about for team, but like they just basically ran a system on this team. Like it happens so fast. And I'd imagine that like the way you feel is like a sigh of relief that, wow. Okay. We're up. But that was, that was a real effort, you know? And, Lo and behold, I mean, obviously they had to hold that for like another 50 minutes. Yeah, definitely. It was like, you know, probably had a rush of adrenaline and like it, it was, it just, it is what it is. And like he probably didn't even realize it until afterwards and he didn't know how to like just show his emotion. Right. Now, I, I thought Kaylin Ryden also looks really good in the match. Um, you know, Kalen's definitely got, you know, a big defensive presence. You know, he's intercepting balls or, you know, is even part of the distribution of passes. Um, 
how did he look to you? And was there anyone else um, that really stood out to you in this match? Um, I really like Kalen, and from the get-go, he's just been on it. He hasn't let anyone down. And he is one of those players that I bet, like, if no matter what he's feeling that day, he's always going to put 100% into the game. And you can tell that. He's always putting his best into it, and he is controlling that line like no other. He is an amazing center back, and even though sometimes he tends to go up a little bit in the free kicks and to try to get ahead on, on the ball. He's been so close to scoring, and that day is not far when he scores a goal. Right. So our boys obviously uh, keep the 1-0 lead through the half, and they come back the second half. And, of course, Colorado Springs is certainly still trying to find an equalizer and as we kind of talked a little bit, uh, you know, Devin had a shot on goal that ultimately was ruled offside. Um, but then also Amanda Moreno had an opportunity for a goal kind of similar to the one he scored in OKC where he kind of threw his body like into the shot. Um, but then it was also ruled offside. Uh, what were you thinking during this part of the match? Man. We need VAR. To me, Amando's goal did not look offside at all. Like, at all. That was very questionable. And Devs, you can tell that was offside. He was a little bit far away from the last defender. But Amando's, it was literally just dead on the line. I don't know what the linesman was seeing. Yeah, I, I talked about it on the... Uh the call-in, I said it was like pro wrestling angles on the camera. It was like they like showed it at an impact angle so that you would think that he was offside, but he wasn't. Mm -hmm. and, uh, <clears throat> and it was crazy because, you know, initially when they show you the replay, you're like, no, this guy was onside. But then they show you five replays and it's like, okay, I guess he was. But <laughs> how, how many times has he been offside with a bicycle kick and his, you know what I mean? Like several times, you know? So, I mean, it, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, that's his, his special uh, move, you know? And I'm really happy to see how many opportunities Sandoval gets actually. Um, Cause it seems like he's got that move almost in every match. Yeah, he does, and it's an amazing move to have, you know, like, that's strictly Dev's move, and if someone else can pull it off, I'm going to be a little bit surprised. You know, like, Parks, his celebration is his backflip, and everyone loves that. So, you know, everyone has their own little thing. Right on. So, United ultimately uh, closes out the match. Of course, Colorado Springs switchbacks uh, continues to try to attack and try to find the equalizer uh but united ultimately um holds them off um and, and i should say this actually I, I think we kind of skipped over it, but there was an hour rain delay um <laughs> and uh you know and i thought how fitting would it be if they returned back to play at 505 but then even the soccer gods let me down because we started at 530 but um man do you, I have to imagine that a little bit of that weather probably cooled things down a little bit for them. 
Oh, probably, and tremendously, too. And it must have been really nice. I just hope it wasn't humid out there. And if you saw uh, Peter's um, Instagram story, you know, their, um, their locker rooms were blowing away with the wind. And it was it, it was really bad weather, but it was also weird because it was still... Tyler was live, and I was watching his live. And, like, it was sunny, but it was still rainy. And mm. I'm like, yep, yeah, it reminds me of here, you know, our weather. But, yeah. <laughs> right on. So, I mean, at this point, we've played our two matches. Well, actually, take it back. We played one match there that was supposed to be there. We played the home match. We turned it into an away match. So there still technically is another match um, at Widener Field, if not, you know, maybe possibly two if we don't get, you know, home matches. Um, yeah. yeah. And one thing that I did hear Peter saying recently uh, when he was on the pre-match show um, at ES on ESPN, the team, is that he kind of felt like they would get home matches. Um, he didn't necessarily say that it was a go, but he just kind of felt like with the way the numbers were going down, um, that it was maybe a possibility. Not sure when, but obviously they would take it. And then he was even saying that, you know, the possibility of the home match being either at UNM or even at the lab was a, was a great possibility. I think you and I can kind of almost like um, we could almost speculate that the lab would want the team to be there or the Rio Grande Credit, Federal Credit Union would want the team to be there because of the potential to still kind of get some sort of publicity from it, if anything. Um, just because of like, think about like the cutouts, the cardboard cutouts. Yeah, it, I can see about the home matches being here with numbers going down. And if Peter has a feeling, you know, he's the one that's working close, probably close with, you know, the governor and to see if we could get home matches here. So, you know, you got got to believe in him to see if we could get home matches here. And it wouldn't be a bad idea to go to the lab because it's just free promotion for the lab where we're playing and um they might even mention the what are they called now the, the mariachis oh yes yes the mariachis yeah they might even you know throw them in there and it gets them even more free uh promotion so and plus the cutouts it would just help us more too because if you think about the the unm soccer complex the field is like over here and then like the fans they're like way over there and you wouldn't be able to see anything with the cutouts. Right. Very true. Yeah. So I guess we'll just keep waiting to see. Um, it will be interesting to see at the point that they're able to at least have other teams come in. Um, gosh, that I can't even imagine what that will be or what that will mean for the rest of our city. It seems like then things might start opening up somehow. I don't know. Um, but uh, so then kind of going to our, our score sheet a little bit, um, as we kind of started doing, we started after the match doing a 
player rating that we gave to the fans as well as uh, one that we gave to media. And then media, I'm talking bloggers, podcasters, writers, um, broadcasting personnel. So different people definitely weighing in on who they thought, um, you know, performed. And I mean, they're given a scale of one to 10, not a whole lot of information, just going off of their instincts. But um, on the fan player rating, I mean, obviously we said that Cody Mizell was voted uh, to be the man of the match. He had like an 8.6 rating um, amongst, amongst all the players. But to me, what was really telling was how Daniel Bruce, Chris Weehan, and Kalen Ryden were all like fairly right after that rating. I felt like that was a true representation of what that match looked like. Yeah, and it by the numbers you can tell that's how exactly it played out. Uh, Weehan, Ryden, and Bruce, they all did great. And it's just, I'm glad that the fans rated them well. And not just because, you know, this person is from here or we like this person better. Or it, it like, it kind of like, like soothes me knowing like, okay, we have some decent fans out there like that know what they're talking about. Right. Yeah. Definitely. The fans let, let us know. And media was kind of along the same lines. Media had Cody Mizell um, with an average of 8.5. Um, you know, so still declared the man of the match along the lines again, Daniel Bruce, Chris Weehan, and, and Kaylin Ryden, um, right there with, and even Amanda Moreno right there with like these high ratings. And again, like, well, we know the whole team obviously played well together. It was good to see those names pop up or those, you know, those contributions because I mean, that has really spoke to how the scores are getting in the net. It really has been Amanda Moreno or Daniel Bruce or Devin Sandoval or, you know, um, to really kind of contribute to the scoreline. Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay, so then something I was kind of looking at too, I was just looking at a little bit of what was going on with the team as far as stats. So I, I went to their, obviously, their USL championship page and, and so this is where we're currently sitting. So Chris Weehan has five goals, uh, you know, in the six matches since the restart, or seven if you consider the Austin match as well. Um, assist, Amanda Marino has three assists. Uh, so he's leading right there. When it comes to shots, this was like the number that I thought was like the biggest spread, you know. And to me, I think that that means that definitely other players have to start being a little selfish. So Chris Weehan has 17 shots, and then Devin Sandoval and Amanda Marino are right behind him with nine and eight shots. Jeez. That's a a big gap right there. Right. Now, I mean, no one's saying we don't want to see Chris shoot, but you just almost realize how much more um, goes into – Devin or Armando passing the ball off versus taking a shot or the times that they were called, you know, offside. Yeah. And I agree with you a little, uh, some of the players are going to have to start getting a little bit selfish 
because you know you don't know what can happen when you take that shot um amondo can take the shot from outside of the 18 and it could be like sali and it's a goal you have to start being a little bit selfish but not too much because you know sometimes you're you have the ball and then you have chris wide open you pass it to him and it's just a touch in and it's a it's a point on the board for them and you just have they have to really watch when they can be selfish yeah right for sure i mean because you know going into the phoenix match i mean asante flemings and dadashov they they combined for half their team shots they were taking 40 shots amongst the three of them you know and i'm looking at us here if, if you just looked at Weehan, sandoval and amanda moreno i mean that's like some 40 uh, 44 shots now. Um, no, sorry, 34 shots now. I mean, that's just at this point. I mean, you know, obviously, like I said, if you look at the Phoenix match, we were very even with them on chance creation and 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 shots and things of that nature. And you know, with a team like Phoenix, like being even with them didn't help us. Like we would almost need to have twice the amount of numbers that they have in some categories. And, you know, to me, like, it might be a little concerning, like, if if the shots aren't there. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. because of the fact that um, it, it shows that we either not having, we either not being able to execute with the possession or we're losing it a lot. And, and that was something else, too, that I was going to ask you about. In Colorado Springs, it seems like, now the two times we've watched them play that the possession was very shifty in this match. Like they were both losing their, like the control of the ball, like somewhere in their, their mid pitch. And I wanted to see, like, I did want to kind of jump back into that for that moment to say like, what were you thinking? Like in the first 20 minutes when like possession kept changing so much. It was like kind of, I feel like they couldn't control the ball properly to be to be able to contain uh, possession because you know for example i can't remember but i'm just going to throw this as an example you know uh let's say uh right and pass the ball to tenari and it seemed like he didn't get a good touch on it and it would bounce off of him to the colorado player and it would happen the same thing over and over and over and it kind of makes you wonder like okay like what's going on Right. Yeah. It's what I, I kept watching it and I was like, okay, this is like part of like the problem is this is how the turnovers start, you know, or, you know, unforced turnovers for that matter. Um, and so anyways, like I just was like, well, I wonder why, you know, things were just that fast in there. Cause the week before, again, you know, they were very just under control. So, um so also on here looking at chance creation uh Weehan and Moreno both um uh, have 11 and 10 chances respectively the next player is Suggs with 5 um so i think we definitely need to see more chance creation happening and not necessarily just with Weehan or Moreno because you can almost tell what's going on there, right? Like, if those two players are creating chances, then that's obviously, like, 
how Weehan gets at least like you know some of his goals right through Moreno, but then mm -hmm. with Weehan creating chances, you know, then that's where some of these other players, you know, are getting their goals and, and, and all that to say that you know there isn't really anyone else on the team that's got more than two goals other than Devin, right? So or Devin has two goals. Mm -hmm. So if Weehan, who is one of your um, leading scorers, is doling out still the most chances, it, like it needs to translate amongst the other players. Yeah, it it really does. And with that, they have to be careful because it, they could become predictable, and they're just gonna be um, double teaming them. And it just that's one chance that's gonna get cut from us, and we have to start looking in other ways. Like it definitely will help to see Josh Suggs come up more in the mix. Josh Suggs, because if you think about it, we didn't have Dev in the last two matches. So obviously, like, he's sitting at five. Suggs, we had just gotten back. So Suggs is now, you know, at five chances right there. Mm -hmm. And then you got Andrew Tenari, who's, like, really coming alive, you know, and then Romeo Parks. So, I mean, like, really, like, it's it's not, a, it's not that, I mean, it's something that's obviously going to, to only get better as the weeks go. Mm. You know, it's just with this shortened season, you want to see them kind of open up, open up range a little bit more. You know what I mean? And, you know, because that, that was something that we didn't really see a whole lot of the first season. Maybe they had one or two matches where they had 21 shots, but usually they were only taking like 10 shots a match. And it was just like, okay, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> we need we need more shots. I mean, you you know you can't play against a team that's got like ninety shots and you got twenty. It's just you know two different things happening. Yeah. Uh, so saves. Cody's got fourteen saves. Clean sheets. He's got two clean sheets. I made a joke that they should like designate the capes that they're giving out for free as the clean sheet capes. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, and then all the New Mexico could just be wearing capes the next day every time Cody does that. Um, I jumped over to discipline because I feel like the refs have been giving our guides cards, like, just nonstop. Um, this, this abbreviated season, you know, has me thinking that our guys got three or four cards. But, uh, I mean, they still obviously have good behavior, right, that takes off cards for the most part. But... But I mean, leading on our team, Tanari, Mizell, Najem, and Guzman all have like two yellow cards. Yeah, and, and Cody's is just the time wasting at the end. I'm like, come on, just hurry. Like, I get you on a time waste, but you know, don't do it excessively. Right, right, exactly. Um, so overall, right now, the team is 4 2 and 1. Still sitting on top of Group C um, with 13 points. Um, El Paso got their win against Real Monarch, and they are sitting at 11 points. And then both Switchbacks and Real Monarch are still sitting with four points. Um, it, it seems like we're pulling away. And I still said it the other day that Real Monarch still have two matches in hand, 
So there's still the six points out there. And until they play those matches, there's still this possibility that they could have this this late season jump somewhere. Yeah, and that's what's scary too, because if we start do like we started off great, but if we start to pull away and we let the bottom team, you know, kind of take away that and let them start shining, it's just it's gonna hurt us and we're probably not gonna make it to playoffs. Right, yeah, they definitely just need to stay in control of the division. Um, because right now, I mean, they're, they're sitting like so well out there. Um, something that was made kind of brought to my attention Saturday morning by a Phoenix rising fan is like the goal differential, like Phoenix has a 15 goal, like 15 as their goal differential. So, I mean, like just from how much they outscore opponents and I'm just like that obviously does help out when it comes to other tiebreakers. Do you know what I mean? Um, but like, I would love to think that one day, like our team will be a team that just wants to put up points. But I mean, you know, we just kind of won one nil. <laughs> I know. I'm like, we can't get past three nil right now. Yeah. Yeah. And Phoenix right now. I mean, if you were, if we were, if we were still in like, if we were still in that giant table, like they have 16 points right now, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, oh my gosh, like, you know, it's just crazy to think about that, you know, you want to keep winning so that there's some sort of uh, competition towards like a shield, you know, like a supporter shield for the mm-hmm. West, you know, and that's still within reach, but it's just going to be a, a, the matter of closing out the rest of these matches that we got. So then, uh, jumping in, um, we talked about it at the top of the mat, at the top of this hour, at the top of this uh, pod. Um, so they have a quick turnaround. Uh, they had today off, and you know, of course, or they may have had some training today, uh, but they are uh, United is flying up to uh, Salt Lake City to play Real Monarch on Wednesday. Yep, the reigning. Um USL champs from last year, and also Kalen Ryden is going back home to his team on Wednesday and Saturday. So we'll see how that is. Seeing him go up against, you know, uh, Jake Blake, that's gonna be a little interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I had he wasn't in today's press conference, and I, I had asked some of the other guys, you know, if they talked to Ryden, kind of what Ryden had been saying you know, coming up to this match and, you know, uh, you know, Cody obviously answered and said, Hey, you know, it's going to feel better anytime you go against your old time, your old team, of course you want to beat them, you know? And then, uh, Chris was saying that, um, Chris was saying that, you know, obviously they, they joked around a little bit, but obviously, you know, of course he, he wants to beat them. He's looking forward to seeing his friends, but he was telling the team like how they could exploit different players on the team and, you know, kind of giving away some of the strategy and, you know, and, and I'm like, Hey, that's, that's perfect. You know what I mean? Like you definitely want a player that can say, Hey, this is how they play, or this is this guy's tendencies. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, I do. And you know, it's cool that 
you know, he gets to do that. And, of course, other players as well. But our new players kind of come from the Eastern. So if we face them in the championship, you know, it could potentially help us. Yeah, that is true. Very true. Uh, so I, I watched this match. Did you get a chance to check out the match with El Paso and Real Monarch? Yeah, I did. And I don't know. Real Monarch, to me, they just they haven't really been the standout team. And I went back to watch the games before, and they've been consistent. They, they're not really doing much. And when they get the opportunity, they'll try. And if they get it, they get it. If not, it's like an oh well kind of moment. Yeah, that was kind of the way I felt when I watched a few of the matches. When I watched them play against San Diego Loyal, I mean, that day just seemed like they weren't getting any calls going their way because they had like at least two or three shots on goal that I thought were in. You know, but from the rate at which they either hit the top bar and bounced in, but there was a player past the past the line and the goal, each time somehow it was ruled not a goal. And I mean, I did freeze frames, and I was like, I'm pretty sure that ball bounced in, mm-hmm. you know, or I'm pretty sure that goal that ball was in the net, and then this player who's obviously behind the net or the line and the goal kicks it out and I'm, th- well, I'm like well he's already like three feet behind the line right? <laughs> do you know what i mean so nothing was really going their way but you know when you look at their record when i was looking at their record i'm like okay these guys are um i go they're oh two and one at home and they're one one and and oh away and when you look at their losses i mean okay they lost one nil to san antonio mm-hmm. they lost one nil to san diego they lost 2-1 to Springs and then 1-0 to El Paso. So, I mean, for the most part in their losses, um, they only lost by one goal. So it wasn't really like – they obviously were playing defense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and it's just – I don't know. From the other goals that I've seen, it's been penalties or, like I said, when if they get the chance, they'll take it and it's – they have it like it's oh cool if not well, like oh well we'll try again to see if we get it but they haven't really had you know like top goal scores and the only thing i can say about you like, players to watch out for it's gonna be you know jake blake and um taylor pay is up there but i mean he hasn't really done much and no one has really done much yeah, it was really hard to watch this match against El Paso. It just didn't really seem like there was much um, energy, at least the way it looked to me. I mean, I'm sure they're playing with all they have, but there wasn't really much of a press through much of the match. Um, it just seems like, uh, for the most part, they just kind of dropped back and played more reactively. There were very few times where I saw them really advance the ball. And when they did, it didn't really seem like they had a lot of pace. Um, more of the attack on this team comes from their uh, their midfield, as you mentioned. I believe it was, is it Jack Blake? I think it is. Um, but, like, him and um, Brody, as well as, like, Kyle Coffey, 
for the most part, they seem to be the ones trying to create chances. And, and so they seem like they have very much a central attack. And honestly, Alicia, when I was watching the team, I thought, oh, well, this just really looks like a mirrored version of our team. Like, as far as how they do things, they have three people anchored in the back. Um, you know? Mm-hmm. And so they have they they have their three defenders in the back. They are moving, you know, a wing back up and through the middle. I mean, so for the most part, I didn't really see anything that was too worrisome. Um, anything that I thought, you know, and, and talking to Troy Lassane today in the uh, in the press conference, head coach, uh, technical director, uh, Troy Lassane, uh, he was saying the things that are the keys to the match um, are to be defensively sound, to be organized, to have a greater commitment to the press, um, to uh to to get compact when they get in behind uh the other team to eliminate turnovers uh, especially unforced turnovers in the middle of the field so you know that i'm sure that first fleming goal is still it still stings a little bit <laughs> from that yeah. match but i mean that's basically what he said is you know these are the things we have to do um what's your take on the fact that it seems like the keys to winning the match ultimately um, are to just have great defense. You can't, you can't go wrong with having a great defense because if you have a great defense, then you know that they're attackers, they're, you're putting a stop to it, and then they have to try to figure out a way how they can get through you. And that is when it's your opportunity to try and start creating chances because they're going to be confused and they're not going to know what to do because they're going to be like, well, he's on me and he's blocking this play and they're double teaming me, they're triple teaming me, and I there's really nothing I can do at this point. Yeah, and, and really looking at the way they played El Paso, these the other things that I kind of noticed were that if they play high up, like if they're playing up on the team, that it was easier for the opponent to ultimately have a counterattack. Um, they're able to counter because of the fact that Reels way up. Now, see, I didn't really notice this counterattack too much on San Diego because they play in a three-five-two, and mm-hmm. typically when they go on a counter, they only have one guy up front. Do you know what I mean? So, it's it's not much going on with that. Um, but I also noticed too that um, that they like to play again in the middle of their pitch, and and that's typically where their press is happening. Yeah. Um, so I mean, if you think about what's going on uh, with with our team right now, ultimately uh, we're starting to see more of the ball advancing through the middle of the pitch, right? So you can almost expect that guys like Tanari and Guzman will be met with pressure. Uh, you know what I mean? Like they'll obviously be, be marked somewhat. Um, what do you think that, what do you think switchbacks will try to do um, against United? You mean monarchs? 
Oh yeah, sorry. I, sorry. <laughs> you know, I, it's so crazy. They switched my mind over to them somehow. So yeah, what do you think, what do you think the monarchs uh, will try to do to to exploit New Mexico? I mean, how will they really be able to score goals against New Mexico, if any? I'm going to be honest, the midfield, they're going to see how we leave the midfield wide open, and that's where they're going to try to take a really advantage of us. Yeah, now, Troy did say on the press conference, um, um, someone had asked him, you know, if he was at all worried about Real Monarch because they're so far back in the table, and, uh, and Troy just flat out said that they're still the defending champions and he's still got to give them respect you know, just as, as he does with every opponent. Um, I think that that was definitely a very, like, classy, like, answer, like, for Troy to give. And I could definitely see where he's coming from. Like, because until they really play Real Monarchs through and can really say, okay, like, this is who Real Monarch is, like, you still have to kind of give them a little bit of their respect. And he did point out that um, – of a couple players really that I think we have to watch out for. Um, he was talking about Luke Maholland, um, that he had just finished his duties with the MLS's back tournament. And so he's back on real Monarch, but of course, you know, he played for RSL mm-hmm. and, and then also, uh, Lewis Ari- Ariaga. So he's like also on the RSL roster, or at least he was on the one from earlier this year. And what was interesting about him, and maybe you caught it too, is that uh, they listed him as a defender. Uh, I know he plays midfielder as well, but they had him up top with Kyle Coffey. So I thought that was very interesting to have a player uh, who was listed as a defender, because that's how the, the screen showed him, playing up top and what they were trying to do with that. Yeah, that, that's a little bit odd, but hey, if they pull that, let's throw Kalen up top. We'll could play the same game on them. Right, exactly. Um, and, and you touched on it. I mean, Pay, like, you know, he's their leading goal scorer, um, but I mean, he has two goals, so it's not like, you know, he's really running away with anything. Um, but he plays up typically um, as well, and then of course, um, Brody p- plays up as well. So that's kind of how they're moving their formation a little bit. Um, but yeah, but there really wasn't much. I mean, uh, Real Monarch plays out of a 4-4-2. Um, they don't really have any high press that I've seen until the team gets to about mid midfield, and then there's the press. And that's about what it is because – maybe they're not wanting to give up as much room doing a high press in the opponent's defending half because obviously at that point the counter is like easy to happen yeah and it i it's gonna be really tough right on so um uh, anything else that you think we missed or that you want to to cover um on this episode it's so crazy like i said that you know, they have such a quick turnaround. Um, people will be hearing this episode either later tonight, which is Monday, or first thing Tuesday morning. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it other than, you know, predictions. What do you think is going to be the final scoreline? Mm, man, 
I mean, Real Monarch definitely do have some defense. You know, my concern about why I don't think why I would see it's not scoring many goals is because of the fact that they drop back so much. And I'm just thinking about how our team is really going to get in behind a back line that's pretty much sitting on the 18. That's my only concern. But if United can really utilize Najem and Bruce and pull out the wings a little bit and create space in the middle, then I feel good giving a prediction of um, 3-1. And I'd say that we wear down their defense a little bit and they lose by more than a goal. So I'm going to say 3-1 is my prediction. 3-1. All right, I'm gonna give them, you know, not three one. We tend to leave the middle open, and it's just kind of been of an issue for us. And that's how El Paso kind of got in, like in with us, and they started figuring us out. And I feel like it's gonna kind of be the same when they have very strong midfielders, and we also do, but. I'm going to go with the 2-1 win, and I just don't think this time around Cody will get a clean sheet. Okay, and uh, who are your goal scorers? Man, it has to be Weehan. <laughs> and the other, I don't know. That's, that's, a, that's a tough one. I can I could probably see Parks scoring the other one. Okay, I'm going to throw that down. Um, for mine, I'm going to say I, I think it's Weehan getting two, and uh, I think he almost gets a hat trick, but I think that um, Moreno gets the third goal. Man, hopefully he does because uh, his goal was not offside for Colorado Springs. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And that reminds me, I have to go on my Twitter and continue posting – uh, how Weehan scores his goals, because I actually meant to do that on Sunday. That's my tradition, is that every day after I go on there and, and post one up. So uh, you just reminded me i got to put that online. So, um, well, yeah, I think that's going to kind of wrap us up for the night. We've pretty much talked about um, the our, our reactions and given a little bit of what's going on with Colorado Springs switchbacks. And then also given a preview of Real Monarch, uh, which again is going to be on Wednesday. You know, the team flew or flew up there, and they are staying up there. Um, just a bit of a correction from last week, what, or, or sorry, uh, Saturday. We we were talking about the cutouts, and you know, we thought maybe these prices were like for once a pop, like once a match. But I talked to uh, David Carl, and he explained that the prices were actually for the full season. So if you're paying uh, 50 bucks uh, to be in the, in the front office or the team store, um, that 50 bucks is gonna get you for the rest of the season. Um, and the same thing with if you pay 99 or, or 149. So that one kind of maybe convinced me that, hey, maybe I might uh, be able to put some money together and, uh, and make an investment. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's still like a little bit too pricey for me. Right. Maybe they'll have like a a, a, a holiday discount here coming up soon, right? <laughs> a Halloween one. We haven't seen United do anything related to Halloween, and I would love that. <laughs> right on, right on. 
All right. Well, then, uh, Alicia, uh, where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, you guys can find me on Instagram and Twitter at exclusive underscore Alicia and on Facebook under Alicia Arias. Right on. You guys can find me at by Chris Walker on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me at Christopher M. Walker on Facebook. Uh, well, we're going to get out here um, and, you know, it's a little late for us to try to turn in and also, uh, you know, just anticipate this match with the rest of you. You've been listening to We Are Seeking Strike podcast and we're out of here. You've been listening to We Are Seeking Strike podcast brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find more USL-related podcasts and written content at bgn.fm. To never miss new content, consider subscribing wherever you get your podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Seek and Strike Collective. Lastly, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.